Is there a word that you hear mispronounced in Sanskrit and it just kind of drives you crazy? Well, there was this one word I discovered while I was studying. It's funny that I realized that a lot of people pronounce wrong. And it's the pose. Hello and welcome to the Don't Forget Yoga Podcast. Helping new yoga teachers absorb yogic wisdom with music, mantras, and mnemonics. I'm your host. My name is Derek Pajupa Goodwin. I'm a 600-hour advanced certified yoga teacher, a kirtan wala, and someone who has trouble remembering things. Today, my guest is Francis Vicente, who I met at the 2011 Jiva Mukti Yoga Teacher Training in upstate New York. She went on to get her advanced certification from Jiva Mukti in 2013, and recently she did a Sanskrit teacher training. She's here today to help us pronounce the pose that we call side plank in English. And I'm going to let her be the first one to say the name of the pose in Sanskrit. But first I wanted to hear how she ended up at the 2011 Jiva Mukti Yoga Teacher Training, hanging out with the likes of me. I had been working for Lululemon for a few years already. And I did a sort of training, but it wasn't like an official training when I started it out was as a teacher from Montreal and she kind of made it a training as we went through the program. It was more supposed to be like an advanced student apprenticeship program. And then she turned it into a training and then I taught a little bit, but I kind of felt like it wasn't complete enough. And then because I was working at Lululemon at the time, we would have community classes where we would invite teachers from the community to teach a free class. And that way it was like promotion for the teacher and we could offer something to the people who come to the store. And uh, I did my first Jiva Muti class that way. And I got to try a lot of styles of yoga that way through Lululemon. That's one of the cool things about the company is they pay for your yoga classes. So I tried all sorts. I did a lot of hot yoga. I won't name it, but you know which one. Mm -hmm. And Shivananda and Anusara and Ashtanga. And when I met my first Jiva Mukti teacher, I really uh, enjoyed the practice. And then, you know, you you have that questioning of whether it's the style that you really enjoy or just the teacher themselves. So she suggested that I try practicing with Sharon and David. And so I did an immersion first. I did the immersion at Omega the one week. And it was Sharon and David and Jules. So, um, yeah, it was kind of like on the fence of whether I wanted to do the training. It's so expensive, especially for a Canadian whose dollar is not as strong as the American Mm -hmm. dollar. And then the thought of taking a whole month off where you know the deal, taking a whole month off work. So you're not working and you're paying a lot of money. So this is 2011. I was 30 or turning 30, I was 29 at the time when I was single and I had, you know, no real attachments other than an apartment I would have to pay for for a month that I was away. So it felt like the opportune time to dive into an intensive training like that. And of course, I had fallen in love by that point with the whole style and Sharon and David and Jules. So, so that's it. That's how I, I made that decision, embarked on that uh, journey. I also had just gotten my driver's license. So I, I drove all the way to New York by myself. That was a whole adventure, just getting there. Well, I'm glad she made it because I made a wonderful friend. 
Now, if you remember my origin story from the first episode, you'll remember I talked about writing the Shat Karma Kriya song on my ukulele at our teacher training to help us study for the final exam. That was the mnemonic seed that eventually sprouted into the idea for this podcast. You want to hear it? Here it goes. Doughty is washing, pasty is cleansing, net is eliminating, and Nauli is churning. Tritaka is fixing, Kapala Bhakti skull shining, and Agnisara means fire wash. You can listen to episode one to hear a little more about the Shat Karmas and the song, but for this episode, I have some hazy memories of Francis being one of the people who enjoyed singing it with me. And I wanted to know if she remembered the song. I remember the song, but do I remember the actual melody now? Um, oh, well, I wouldn't expect. You wouldn't expect me to do it on the, okay, good. I remember that it was helpful and that you would sing it. You would sing it sometimes in line for the cafeteria or, you know, when we're all just hanging out outside or on the way to, that's how I would do a lot of my studying actually would write my all my notes on cue cards and read them on the way to walking from where we were sleeping and then over to the main hall and then sometimes you would be there playing it and those moments those kind of moments where we were hanging out in between and it, it did help it helped all of us I think that was the one thing we definitely all knew by heart because <laughs> of your little song everyone got that question right yeah exactly whether we got the spelling right is another thing but, uh, <laughs> but the the sound of them yeah During the pandemic, Frances went deeper into her Sanskrit studies by taking an online teacher training from the American Sanskrit Institute. It turned out there was two other Jivamukti yoga teachers who she knew taking the same training, and one of those, Jessica Stickler, is now partnering with Frances to offer some monthly Sanskrit study sessions, which I will tell you more about at the end of this episode. But for now, let's get caught up on the Sanskrit teacher training that Francis just took part in. We took advantage of the time, as many people did, that we were stuck at home to sign up for a Sanskrit teacher training. And it was something that I had been interested in doing for a long time. Again, I was really interested in the Sanskrit portion of our teacher training, but the school was in the in the States. So I would have had to make a trip to, to do that. So it really made things easy to be able to do a teacher training online. And it was a nice uh, surprise to see two other teachers who have done the same training there. So Jessica was there and Doug Whitaker from Australia was there. So it was fun. It was like a little mini reunion. Who puts that on? Well, kind of interesting as things go sometimes in the yoga world. It was a teacher training that was happening through the American Sanskrit Institute, ASI, and is no longer part of their offerings. Now it's more of a site for educational materials. Like there's downloadable things that can teach you on a variety of topics from learning the alphabet to you know, Bhagavad Gita or, uh, or sutras, but a lot of the teachers that who were teaching different courses through the site have now branched off and are looking to create something else, a new platform that allows for there to be classes offered 
uh, online classes to continue that aspect of it, but separate from American Sanskrit Institute. All right. Now you know a little bit more about Frances and her credentials. I want to mention that during the rest of this episode, we will be mentioning a teacher named Manorma. And Manorma is the Sanskrit teacher at Jiva Mukti Yoga teacher trainings. She also teaches at many other teacher trainings and has her own offerings in New York City in person and online at sanskritstudies.org. But for now, let's explore the proper pronunciation of the yoga pose that we call side plank in English. Is there a word that you hear mispronounced in Sanskrit and it just kind of drives you crazy? Well, there was this one word I discovered while I was studying, it's funny, that I realized that a lot of people pronounce wrong. And it's the pose Vasishtasana. Because I said it, and a lot of people say it, Vashistasana or Vashishtasana. They double the shush, shush, shush. And I don't remember where I saw it. Oh, I was think I was just writing out poses for something. And I looked it up and it said Vasishta, not Vashista. So I wrote to Manorma and I was like, Manorma, is this how you pronounce it? Is it Vasishta? I've been saying it wrong. This whole time, you know, and I was like, taken about, was shocked. We've been saying this wrong the whole time. And she said, yes, it's Vasishta. And I said, but people pronounce it wrong. Like I've been pronouncing it wrong. And she goes, yes, many people pronounce it wrong. And the end of her email was, what to do? Manorma. (laughs) And I thought that was, I could just imagine her being like, you know, pick your battles. You know, with what to do. I thought that was, I just saw her like throwing her hands up in the air, you know, sort of thing. Um, so I tried to say Vasishta as much as possible, pronounce it that way, but it had become a habit because that's what I thought it was. It's one of these things too, when I, when I pronounce the yoga postures is I try as much as possible to approximate it but not sound like I'm trying to do an Indian accent either like I learned Spanish right so I could go to a Mexican restaurant or something and be like I'd like a burrito but I'm not gonna you say a burrito but unless I'm speaking Spanish then I can say it with my more Spanish accent empanada instead of being like an empanada or I don't know (laughs) trying to do it two different ways of saying it I remember actually this is me being silly but during teacher training we were lined up in the cafeteria and uh, it was we were having essentially fajitas, and I go, oh, we're having fajitas today. Like I, I thought I was <laughs> being funny, and then there was a girl in line. She was like, oh, we call them fajitas. Like I was, and I was like, oh, said it is. Well, it's me being silly. Um, so yeah, so I pronounce, I try to pronounce them as close to, you know, I don't say mantra, I say mantra. And I said that once in class and someone was confused, like, what are you talking about? And then I said, you know, a mantra. And I, you know, I explained it. And they were like, oh, I call it a mantra. So sometimes it's like how far into actual pronunciation you want to go. And you, but you also want to kind of bring that as an element into class, just like you would give alignment for something that people are doing in a different way and you're trying to align them in a particular way you try to do the same 
the pronunciation of things, but am I going to really make people say Tardasana rather than Tadasana? I guess it's one of those pick your battles moments. <laughs> if you're really going to be pronouncing them, you know, Uttanasana. Okay. <laughs> I got to go back to Sanskrit school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, but it's more for, yeah, it's more for how you, how you want to go about it. But I'm always impressed whenever a teacher uses Sanskrit at all, because it is helpful when people learn the Sanskrit names for things, because then you go to a yoga class somewhere else and Adhomukha Svanasana is going to be Adhomukha Svanasana. So at least you get that part in. But it's also um, interesting. Some people say the Sanskrit name, but then, you know, it's not always the translation of it. So it's like, Paschima means west, but nobody calls it stretch to the west pose. Paschimottanasana, intense stretch to the west pose. Um, Sit down and so, intensely stretch to the west, please. To the west. <laughs> exactly. The west. People would be like, what? What's that? Bend over until your oh. hamstrings are uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it's like they know the Sanskrit name, but they don't know what the Sanskrit means and then you know how important is it to know what the actual sanskrit is well depends on how interested you are i suppose and some of them are linked to uh, mythology and names of sages like vasishta so then it's like do you know the story of the sage vasishta vasishta in sanskrit means most excellent best or richest Vasishta is one of the seven great rishis of India. He's described in ancient and medieval Hindu text as a sage with long flowing hair, neatly tied into a bun, coiled with a tuft to the right, a beard and a handlebar moustache. Now, if you listen to episode three, you know that the Vedas are the oldest sacred text in India and that they prescribe rituals, ceremony, sacrifice, mantras, and benedictions to interact with the atmospheric gods. Vasishta is credited as the chief author of Mandala 7 of the Rig Veda. Those hymns have a message suggesting mutual coordination and harmony between two rival religious ideas by abandoning the disputed ideas from each and finding the complementary spiritual core within both. The hymns declare two gods, Indra and Varuna, are equally awesome. Vasishta is saying that both are important because one, Indra, vanishes evil by the defeat of enemies in battle, while the other, Varuna, sustains the good during peace through cosmic and moral laws. So I find this a useful way to remember the connection between the sage Vasishta and the side plank pose because there's two sides in every conflict and then there's the middle path. And in the pose, we have the two sides of our body, which are typically not going to have the same strength or symmetry. We work both sides, maybe a little differently on each, but we're hugging in and expanding out and building our core strength on both sides. We learn that the stability on one side allows for the expansion on the other. Vasishta reappears as a character in Hindu texts. 
who supports conciliation between conflicting or opposing ideologies. Perhaps the most relevant text attributed to Vasishta for us as modern yogis is called the Yoga Vasishta. It's a medieval-era text that's written in the form of a dialogue between Vasishta and Prince Rama of the Ramayana. And it occurs before Rama is banished from the kingdom of Ayodhya, as he is coming of age and asking questions regarding the philosophical problems of life, death, and human suffering. It's much like the story of the Buddha, if you know that story. Siddhartha is a prince and his family tries to protect him from ever seeing death, illness, suffering in the world. But eventually he gets out of the palace and sees it all, and then has an existential crisis. This is where Vasishta comes into the story of Rama and becomes his teacher. So from episode 3, you might remember that this type of dialogue between student and teacher began to appear in the Upanishads, and it continues throughout the evolution of Hinduism into modern times. But often it's an incarnation of God that teaches the mortals in such scriptures. Here in the Ramayana, we have the, the mortal, the sage Vasishta, who's teaching Rama, the incarnation or avatar of Vishnu. So it's a cool setup that way. One of the main threads running through the text is that this whole world of things is just the object of mind, and that the jiva, the atman, the individual soul, is the same as Brahman, the divine. In other words, again from episode 3, this Yoga Vasishta is a non-dualistic text. Here is one of Vasishta's teachings to Rama. One may see a relationship between a tree and a rock, and though they appear to be inert, such relationships exist in their fundamental constituents which have undergone a certain kind of change to become a tree and a rock. This is also seen in the sense of taste. The taste buds in the tongue respond to the taste of the food because of their similarity in constitution. All relationship is therefore the realization of the already existing unity. It is regarded as relationship only because of the previous false and deluded assumption of a division into subject and object. In the middle between the sight and the scene, there is a relationship which is known as the seer. When the division between the seer, the sight, and the scene is abolished, that is the supreme. When the mind travels from one country to another, between them is a cosmic intelligence. Be that always. Even as you do not busy yourself with the affairs of a future village, do not get tangled in the moods of your mind, but be established in truth. Regard the mind as a foreigner, a piece of wood or stone. There is no mind in infinite consciousness. That which is done by this non-existent mind is also unreal. Be established in this realization. I have investigated the truth concerning the mind for a very long time, O Rama, and have found none. Only infinite consciousness exists.
As you ponder those words of wisdom, <laughs> I will take you back to my conversation with Francis. I like to ask my guests what advice they have for new yoga teachers. And in this case, I asked Francis what advice she would give to a new yoga teacher in regards to learning Sanskrit. Ah, I know for some people, learning another language can be daunting. For me, I kind of, I felt like there was a holding to a tradition around it and an authenticity to it. But that was my feeling about it. And then we also learned from our teacher, one of our teachers, that Sanskrit is a very powerful language in the way that the sound of the thing also embodies the thing. Sometimes I write down things that Menorma says and I still look at them and I, I scratch my head. But there was one that was a sound gives rise to form and the form to sound. Sometimes I think that I get it and then I'm like, no, I it's one of those things where like you think you grasp it and then you're like, nope, thought I had it. Sound gives rise to form. And the form gives rise to the sound. But essentially that the sound of the thing or the name of the thing in Sanskrit embodies the thing. The name in Sanskrit contains the essence. So could maybe be a good reason to, to learn a little bit about it. I feel when I chant anyway, is that even if you don't know what it means, it evokes something. I normally say you could make chants in English and people have tried, but it just doesn't have the same effect because of the, the vibrational quality of the Sanskrit language it allows you to, to come into contact with something more essential of yourself. So even if you don't know what it is, there's something in chanting it you don't know what the meaning is behind it. That does its sort of magic on its own. I said to Francis, remember that in the Vedas, everything was passed on orally with mantras and chanting and mnemonics for many centuries. That the idea of sound creating form and form creating sound made sense because in quantum physics, we have a theory of tiny little strings that vibrate everything together to become particles and then atoms and then chemical reactions and then the elements of life. And all language begins with sounds that symbolize the observable reality and that the rishis of the Vedas were scientists to observe the nature of the mind and through deep listening, they came up with the sounds that became Sanskrit. And in our minds, we create meaning and patterns and every single living being has a slightly different perception of reality. Language turns everything that is into a symbolic sound, and the language that does it with the most precision is Sanskrit, which leads us back to Vasishta telling Rama that there is no reality other than Brahman. To which Francis said, Such a wild thought, right? I saw a comedian, a stand-up comedian say this. I don't even remember who it was, just a random video I saw, but he's like, some things... If you really sat and thought and sad about it, just are like wild, crazy things that we just kind of accept that are okay, that's true, I suppose, but that everything is as molecules vibrating in space. So, you know, any any solid thing, 
our own physical bodies. We're just molecules in space that end up looking like this or looking like a phone or looking like a tree. And we just accept that molecules vibrating in space appear as different things in different ways. And that's just a thing. But it's crazy. Everything yeah. is wild when you really try to sit and think about it. I try to sit and think about wild things all the time. That's how I come up with some of my mnemonics. And I had some ideas for this episode. But then I found myself in an existential crisis of my own. Nothing like Rama's, but, you know, a little micro-crisis. <laughs> you see, I had been listening to Francis pronounce Vasistasana like this. Vasistasana? But while editing this episode, I went to Menorma's recording called Learn to Pronounce Yoga Poses, which is available on Spotify or through her website. And I discovered that she pronounces it a little differently. Vasishtasana. I lied awake all night wondering, is it Sishta or is it Sishta? Knowing Menorma was the authority, I was worried that Francis had not pronounced it right. And I would have to shelve this whole interview just to make sure I didn't broadcast her mistake. Then I asked myself, what would Vasishta do? And myself said, probably the same thing that Vasishta would do. Aha. So I reached out to Francis, hoping that she could bring the two sides of Vasishtasana back into balance. And it was a blessing to see her face on my monitor once again and to dive a little bit deeper into the world of Sanskrit. Some things get pronounced slightly differently, and I don't know if it's accent or, or regional or this sort of a thing. But you know, sometimes you hear Shiva, and sometimes you hear Shiva. So I think both are acceptable pronunciations, as far as I can tell. Technically, it's a short E. So I, I'm not like far enough into my Sanskrit study to be able to say this for sure. But to my knowledge and understanding, both are acceptable. So you could say Shiva or you could say Shiva. So I believe it would be a similar situation here. You could say Vasishta or you could say Vasishta, but it's meant to be a short E, right? So you don't want to hang out there too long and put too much emphasis on the E part because it's short. So... Vasishta is definitely short. I don't know anything about Vasishta's height. He had me at man bun and handlebar mustache. But I do have some ideas for remembering how to pronounce his name. Either way. Which one you choose will depend if your side plank is stronger on the left or on the right. So first let's remember it the way Francis pronounces it. Vasishtasana. For this mnemonic... Remember what Vasishta told Rama? In the middle between the sight and the scene, there is a relationship which is known as the seer. When the division between the seer, the sight, and the scene is abolished, that is the supreme. The first S in Vasishtasana is the same sound as in seer. Vasista is a seer between the sight and the scene. Vasista is a seer between the sight and the scene. Vasistasana. 
Okay, and now for Manorma's pronunciation. Was ist Hasana? For this mnemonic, I ask myself this question. Does Vasishta have a sister? Who's the sister of Vasishta? Does Vasishta have a sister? Who's the sister of Vasishta? Does Vasishta have a sister? Who's the sister of Vasishta? As I mentioned before, Francis has teamed up with another Jivamukti yoga teacher who got the bug for teaching Sanskrit, the fabulous Jessica Stickler. Jessica was not part of the 2011 teacher training that we were in, but Jessica and I worked together and taught together at Jivamukti Yoga Center in Union Square, New York City for several years, and I'm a big fan of Jessica Stickler. Francis and Jessica are now leading a monthly Sanskrit study group with plans to keep expanding the offering into the future. We got to go through the teacher training together. And then after the teacher training, we were just really wanting to keep that going. We definitely are both interested in offering more Sanskrit-focused classes in the future. So it was, it was something that we decided to jump into and dabble in and try um an online study session. We're kind of trying to figure out what the demand is, what people are interested in learning more about, if it's a class specifically about the sutras or if it's about um, learning to read and write, pronunciation, uh, things like this. So for right now, the study sessions that I'm offering with Jessica are our foray into this new landscape of offerings. And the hope is that from that, we'll branch out into offering like a Sanskrit level one or intro to yoga sutras or whatever else might be of interest to those teachers. Francis and Jessica are still developing the project. So the best way to get notified of study sessions is to follow Francis on Instagram at Jiva Francis, J-I-V-A-F-R-A-N-C-E-S. I also made a video of Francis writing out the word Vasishtasana in Sanskrit, Devangari, and in the English transliteration. And that video will be available through the Don't Forget Yoga Podcast YouTube channel. I'm also planning to post some Vasishtasana practice videos with anatomy tips to dovetail with this episode. I want to thank Francis for coming on the show and for jumping in again for the clarification on pronunciation. And if you want to take a virtual or in-person class with her, look for her on the websites for Yoga Sangha and Luna Yoga in Montreal. All of that will be in the show notes along with links to Manorma and to the American Sanskrit Institute. Thanks for listening to the Don't Forget Yoga podcast. Your time and attention is deeply appreciated. Very deeply. If you like the show, please tell your yoga teacher friends about it or leave us a review. If you have a yoga mnemonic to share or anything else you want to talk about, I'd love to hear from you. Leave a voicemail at don'tforgetyoga.com right now during this guitar solo. Our listeners are the best. Until next time, refrain from being someone else's pain or disdain. disdain. Keep your third eye on, on the game. game. Each line's main. Train your brain until yoga easily remains. Don't In other words, don't forget. No, don't forget. Don't.
forget it. Mnemonics.